It's great to be back here with you again. I'm so glad that Pastor Mike revealed my uh, big part in the Nutcracker this year. I'm so thankful for that. It's wonderful. Well, many years ago, my children were, I had, when my children were very young, which seems like a lifetime ago for me, uh, one of my kids was with my wife at a birthday party at the local bowling alley where we live in Warwick, New York, and I had the other three kids with me, and I had to just last an hour, hour and a half, across the street at a local farm. It's the place where people from New York City come up to go to the country for the day, um, and they come to this farm, and it's a place that would never normally be on a weekend, because it's just where all the tourism of Warwick, New York takes place. Uh, but I was there, hanging out with my kids, and then when my daughter was done at her birthday party, I was just going to swing by, pick everybody up, and we would go home. So my kids were playing on the little wooden playground equipment that was there, crawling through some tunnels and stuff, and then one of my kids, my oldest daughter, got my attention. She brought me over to this machine. I have a picture of it for you that I wanted to show you. It's just a machine, and it's, and it's a, a chicken food vending machine. machine. We pay 25 cents, you get a handful of chicken, throw it over the fence. And get three, minutes, three minutes, of minutes of excitement as the chickens peck, peck uh, the, uh, the ground. And this is and when, this I, is when I, went I went out of line dad, dad rant. rant. Because I looked at my daughter, daughter and I told, and I told her, her that we are not going to pay 25 cents and feed chickens, chickens. When in about an hour, we can go home and feed our own chickens. But in the process of this rant, I didn't realize that one of my children had wandered away. When I finally realized what had happened, there was an immediate sense of panic. This was a weekend in Warwick in the fall, and I looked up and I saw the apple orchard that was behind the place where we were, and I thought to myself, how long would it take to find a child that wandered into the woods, acres and acres of trees and tall grass? I looked behind me and I saw the parking lot, which was like 25 steps away from where we were, that was loaded with cars, and the other 50 steps beyond that was a road where people are driving 55 miles an hour. And my heart rate shot through the roof. My stress levels, my breathing rate, my adrenaline levels were off the charts. Seconds that ticked by felt like minutes. Minutes felt like hours. I abandoned my other children where they were at that little machine and ran in every direction possible, searching in every little nook and cranny where this child could be hiding. And then finally, out of the corner of my eye, I saw my child, who was not potty trained at the time, coming out of the men's bathroom, adjusting his pants. I have no idea what happened in there. Um, I'm still confused. I'm not even sure if I want to know. But this process took about five minutes. And in that five minutes, it felt like it was a lifetime. But you better believe that when I saw that child, I ran to them. I picked them up. I squeezed them harder than I had ever squeezed in my entire life. My heart rate, which was high from panic, remained high from relief and joy that my child that was lost was found. I grabbed that child and then realized that I had abandoned the others. And thankfully, I thank God for this machine. My children were still staring at this machine, I'm sure, pondering the words of wisdom from their father that had been imparted to them. But today we will see that God is the one who seeks those that are lost. That maybe you've experienced something similar in your life, that, that you have searched frantically for something, or in my case, someone, And when you found it, there was such tremendous happiness, joy over what was lost had been found. 
And today, as I said, we will see that God actively pursues those that have wandered away from him. And when those that are lost are found, there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. As we finish celebrating Thanksgiving, is there anything greater that we can be thankful for than the God who pursues those that are lost, which included at one time us? So my hope is this morning is that as we look at two very famous parables that Jesus shares about things that are lost and that are found and God's response to that, my hope is that we will have a renewed desire to align ourselves with the things that God cares about, which is seeking to save the lost. So would you turn with me now in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. I'd like to read verses 1 through 10 this morning. That's Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. And I would ask if you would stand with me, please, as we have respect for the holy word of God. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need need no repentance." Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the power of your word, the power to change even the hardest hearts. So Lord, we ask that you would fill us with a desire to become more like your son Jesus this morning, that through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would teach us the things that we need to learn from this passage today, that we would be filled with gratitude over you, the one who seeks those that are lost, that we would have a better understanding of the things that you value, and that what brings you joy are the things that would bring us joy. So Lord, change our hearts this morning. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Please be seated. So I want to share a picture with you today. Do you remember what life was like before the GPS was so readily available to the American public? Before you could plug your phone into your car and uh, a screen would light up and it would have a highlighted route, right? Just like this. What was like before that was this next picture, um, the Tom Tom or the Garmin. Right? And they would have those annoying Give a Garmin Christmas commercials. We would be getting those this time of year, and it gets stuck in your head. Before that, there was this amazing website called MapQuest. Do you remember that? Where you would plug in where you were going to and where you were coming from, and then it would tell you and have a, a big uh, piece of paper. It said in 17.8 miles, go here, and I'm not really good at math, so it would take me the full 17.8 miles to add 85,196.2 to 17.8, and, but it was wonderful because before that was this thing, the actual map. The map that when you unfolded, you weren't sure if you were going to get it back to its original shape to stuff it in the glove compartment. Or you had that big fat atlas, and you had to turn to page 17 for the exploded view of the streets, and you had the E17 like you were playing Battleship. It was a disaster in the car. It tested marital relationships. 
Because when you got to the fork in the road and somebody thought left and the other person thought right, when you got to your destination, someone had an opportunity to express humility and the other person usually had to ask for forgiveness for their response. But I want to let you know this morning that there is a huge difference between being lost on the roads, physically lost in a nearby city or town, and being lost spiritually. And I would rather spend months of my life lost physically than to spend even one more second of my life apart from God. To be lost spiritually means to be separated from God and unable on our own power to find our way back to him. It means that we have wandered away from him. As it says in Isaiah 53 verse 6, it says that all are like sheep. All of us have gone astray. That we have all turned, every one of us, to our own way. And unfortunately, we are born in a lost state, inheriting our sin nature from our earliest ancestors. We have been born with a desire to rebel against God, who desires a deep, meaningful, personal relationship with us. Humans were initially created for perfect fellowship with God, but because of our sin, we are lost and unable to find our way back to him. And at the start of Luke chapter 15, the religious leaders are grumbling among themselves about Jesus fellowshipping with them, uh, with, with tax collectors and sinners. The worst of the worst, right? Luke says tax collectors and sinners. You know how bad tax collectors were because they had their own category. It wasn't just sinners. Tax collectors were among fellow Jews who worked for the Roman government who collected taxes against their own people. And not only did they do that, they added a couple more. They took some more taxes so that they could live a very lavish lifestyle. They were hated. But do you see what the Pharisees and the scribes say? They say, he, meaning Jesus, receives sinners. And if you had a contest to explain the gospel message in as few words as possible, the Pharisees would have just won. Jesus receives sinners. That Jesus is drawing in the lost. He is drawing them to himself to teach them about the kingdom of God and to offer them salvation, not condemnation. In John 3.17, the verse after the famous verse, John 3.16, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, Jesus had relationships with outcasts, with tax collectors, with adulterers, with lepers. So the first thing I'd like to challenge you with this morning, the first question I'd like to ask you is, what does your social circle look like? In an effort to protect themselves from the moral decay of our culture, many Christians have insulated themselves so much that they have no relationships with the lost. Now, this is not to say that we should go against God's word in order to build relationships with others, but it does mean that we need to be building relationships with the lost, not judging or condemning them. That we cannot share our testimony. We cannot show them the love of Jesus in a real, physical, tangible way. We cannot share the gospel with people that we have no interactions with whatsoever. Jesus had relationships with the people that he came to save. So I want to encourage you this morning to examine your social circle. Does it include those who are not followers of Jesus? 
If your answer is yes this morning, I would encourage you to open that social circle up, to seek out opportunities to build relationships with the people that need the saving love of Jesus Christ. If you're seeking to become more like Jesus, which I hope that you are, that includes seeking out fellowship with the same type of people that he met with. But in this passage, Jesus refers to a shepherd that has 100 sheep. He refers to a woman that has 10 silver coins. And I had to laugh a little bit as Jesus invites the scribes and the Pharisees into the story because he says, what man of you? which immediately transports them as the main characters in the story. And then, before their eyes, he turns them all into shepherds with 100 sheep. And the religious leaders had disdain for shepherds. It was a terrible occupation. These were people that were considered unclean as they worked and lived with animals. And of all the analogies that Jesus could have used, Jesus chooses shepherds and sheep. And we've already looked at what it means to be lost to be separated from God. Let's look at the search and the rescue. You see, a sheep that was lost in this time period and in this landscape was doomed. It would be only a matter of time before this animal was going to be devoured or become a meal for another one. A sheep isn't like a dog that can oftentimes find its way home. They are helpless, hopeless, unless they are rescued. So what does a shepherd do that has 100 sheep and notices that one is missing? Passage says that he leaves the 99 in the open country and goes to search for the one that has wandered away. In the parable of the lost coin, the woman turns her entire house upside down, sweeping in every possible corner, every nook and cranny of the house to find that lost coin. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus explains that this is his mission It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And please notice that from this passage, the sheep and the coin are completely passive. Right? Their work, they can't do anything to find their way back to their owner. It is the work of the shepherd. It is the work of the woman seeking and searching that ultimately ends in reunification. This is another reminder to us this morning that our salvation and our ability to have a right relationship with God is because of Jesus and his work. They are not found in our level of education or in the good things that we do. As Paul wrote in Romans 5.8, it says, But God showed his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That God is the one who seeks and finds those that are lost. It says, we do not find God, he finds us. And Jesus did this with the tax collectors and the sinners, drawing them to himself. And what is the response when the sheep and the coin are found? It says there is tremendous joy. I'd like to read a couple verses again. Verses 6 and 7 say this. It says, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And again in verses 9 and 10, it says that when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Can you even begin to imagine or get a mental picture in your mind of what that looks like? Joy before the angels of God. And I tried to think about 
major life events that have caused me joy. I thought about getting married. I thought about watching my children grow into the people that they are today. I thought about my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. I thought about the Red Sox beating the Yankees in the 2004 playoffs after being down 3-0, right? Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. Pastor Mike knows what I'm talking about. While these life events are amazing, this passage reminds us of what brings joy to God. When one sinner repents and turns their heart back to their Heavenly Father. So the question I have for you this morning, are we this excited about people who put their faith in Christ? Does it bring us great joy, or are we too focused on other things, usually involving ourselves and our own desires? Again, this passage is a reminder that if we are seeking to become more like Jesus, we not only need to open up our social circle— but we need to have joy in the things that bring him great joy. But in addition to understanding that God is the one who is doing the seeking, we learn something else that is important about God from this passage today. We learn that God's value is different than what we value in this world. I'd like to share a short story to illustrate this point. Many years ago, uh, my family and I had arguably the most annoying pet in the entire world. I brought a picture of it. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen. It's the guinea fowl, right? Uh, The guinea fowl is not only an ugly animal, it makes the most terrible noise imaginable. And I just wanted to share this noise with you now so you could not have to look it up later. Are you ready for this? Here it comes. Let's see if we can get it. I mean, what animal makes that sound, right? I mean, I I hope that when the guinea fowl walked onto the ark, that God not only shut the doors of the ark, but he shut the vocal cords of the guinea fowl, because I can't imagine what that must have been like. These animals are very difficult to tame. If you have chickens, you can coax them anywhere you want. You just throw some food, they'll mindlessly go wherever you want them to go, but not these things, right? It is a battle to get them in at night so that they're not killed by a predator, But the reason why we had these animals is because our oldest daughter, Rachel, when she was about a week and a half old, out in the beautiful fresh air in the middle of June, when we brought her inside after being covered, we were the first-time parents, right? She was like covered in a net and a blanket. We had all the the parent gadgets. We unpeel her from all the stuff to change her diaper, and she has a tick embedded in between her toes. I still don't know how it got in there. She was locked up tight. But Heidi and I, my wife and I, did what any new parent would do when we saw that. We completely freaked out. And our quest ended, my quest to make sure that my daughter was going to be okay, ended at the health department with a person analyzing this tick under a microscope. It's just funny because by the time we got to child number four, it was like you just pull it out with your bare hands and rub some water on it. And you're like, good luck. Have a, have a great day. Anyway, I asked the woman at the health department, I said, what can I do to stop all these ticks? She said, well, you can spray chemicals in your yard, but now you have chemicals all over your yards. Your kids are running around, and every time it rains, you have to respray chemicals. Or she said, or you can look into getting some guinea hens. And I don't even think I blinked. I just looked her dead in the eye. She was trying to laugh. I said, what's a guinea hen? And I'll tell you what, within six to eight weeks, I had 30 guinea hens in a box at my house. The stuff that we do for our kids, right? 
But when we moved the cardboard box out into the coop that I had built for these saving animals that we were going to do that was going to save us all, it was a struggle to put them in at night. They didn't know that this was their home. I tried to tell them in numerous ways. I tried to communicate to them, but they just did not get the message. I think I even spoke some words that probably should not be spoken here in the presence of children. They would hide under a barn. They would fly into the tallest tree. They would sit under a bush. And I can still remember this time that it had been about 45 minutes of trying to corral these birds into the coop. And I got about 27 or 28 of them. The rest had climbed up into this tree. And I still remember throwing up my hands and looking at these birds and saying, you're on your own. And I can't imagine if my neighbors were looking outside at the same time as I was talking to the tree. But I actually thought to myself, well, you know what? At least I have 27. If the predators get these three, I still have 27 out of 30. I'm still in good shape. I am always amazed after going through this experience with these random birds that the shepherd leaves the 99 in the open country and goes after the one. I cut my losses with three birds. If it was up to me, I would have just left them. You see, this sheep that wandered away, it was their choice, right? Um, I made the choice of, of leaving those ones out there because I didn't want to lose any more. I didn't want to just, I didn't want to have the 27 jump out. But the shepherd goes and searches for the one. It was their fault that they walked away. They wandered away. The shepherd didn't kick them out. They did it to themselves. This sheep is going to get what they deserve. But aren't you thankful that God does not have that attitude with us? The attitude that I had with these birds. It is our sin that caused us to be separated from him. We wandered away. But in this passage, God shows what he values. And what does God value? He values people. He values people to be returned to him. And what God values people, there are many in our culture who don't value those things. Uh, They have a nice house. They have a a beautiful apartment. They may have more than one car. They may earn enough money to go on a nice vacation. And while all these things are great in the culture that we live in, in the world that we live in today, they may be helpful. How does that compare with what God values? So how does what we care about line up with what God cares about? Do our actions reflect our understanding of and our desire to align ourselves with the things that are valuable to God. And one more element from this passage I'd like to look at us for, a look, for us to look at today is what happens when the sheep is found. And there have been many times where I have been a terrible disciplinarian of my kids. That they would do something wrong and they would get themselves into trouble. Climb into a tree, unable to get down. Get their leg caught between the slats in the crib, which I don't even know how that was possible, but they did it. But they did something to themselves to get themselves stuck. And then rather than dad immediately jumping in and coming to the rescue, dad would stand there and say, look at what you did to yourself. What are you going to do now? How are you going to get out of this situation? This way the child could really feel it and know that what they did was wrong. But what is the response of God in this passage? of his one sheep that has been recovered, the one who wandered away under his own power. Verse 5 tells us, it says, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
The sheep is carried on the shoulders of the shepherd and returned to the flock. And did you know that before the cross became the the symbol that designates you as a Christian today, the earliest symbol that designated someone as a follower of Jesus Christ was the shepherd carrying the sheep on their shoulders. The point I'm trying to make is this, is the shepherd treated the lost and wayward sheep with gentleness and tender care, carrying it back to the flock. He didn't take a whip out and drive it back to the flock. He didn't take out some kind of a cord or a rope and wrap it around its neck and drag it back so it could really feel the pain that it experienced, the shepherd. So another question I have for you this morning is, are gentleness and kindness characteristics that you are known for, especially to those that are lost or someone who has wronged you in some way? I wish my answer to this question could say, could be yes. There are too many times that I have been quick to get angry at the actions of others, especially when they have impacted me or my family greatly. And this is an area where I know that I personally need to grow. And perhaps you do as well. So I would encourage you this morning to go back in your quiet time this week and and reread Luke chapter 15, moving through the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin and even continuing on to an even more powerful parable after that, which is the parable of the lost son. And this week we celebrated Thanksgiving as a nation. People gathered together with friends and family to eat way more food than we should have, to watch grandpa fall asleep on the couch. And we took one day out of 365 to talk about being grateful. But my hope this morning, this week, and the years to come, that you are reminded of and need to be thankful for the good shepherd, Jesus, the one who came to save those that are lost. It is his work that saves us. It is not our own. That he came into this world, the world that he created, in order to save people from an eternity apart from him. That Jesus gave everything including his life, so that you might have life, and not just have any life, but his word says that to have it to the full. So will you be a part of building his kingdom? Will you open your social circle to include those that are lost and maybe just don't even know it yet? Will you align your idea of value with God's idea of value? And will you treat those that are lost those that are hurting with gentleness and kindness, sharing in the joy of heaven when one sheep that is lost returns to the shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much again for these parables that Jesus told, ways that he could communicate things of the kingdom of God that can be so mysterious and so complex. I thank you that he taught it in ways that we can understand. So Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning to align ourselves with the things that you care about. Lord, I ask that you would help us to seriously examine our social circle and that if we have insulated ourselves from this culture so much that we have no interactions with those who need your saving love, Lord, that you would help us to open that circle up, that you would reveal to us the areas where we can make changes so that we can communicate and have those relationships with those who need your salvation. Lord, we ask that you would help us this morning to align our value, our idea of value, with your value. Lord, we heard this morning about the consumerism of this time. Lord, we ask that you would help us to recognize what is most valuable to you, and that is people. Lord, we ask that you would help us to care about other people, 
that we would seriously, seriously consider what we can do to fulfill that great commission, to go and to share the love of Jesus with others. Lord, we ask that you would use us through the power of your Holy Spirit in a mighty way. And Lord, that we would have such joy in our hearts, joy over the things that bring you joy, which is to see those that are lost return to you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.